I, I believe it's in the King James Version. He said, I counted it but dung. I counted it as nothing but loss. All of that stuff that I had achieved and attained. He said, I just, I counted that really as nothing for this reason. That I may have intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. That I may know Him in the power of His resurrection. And in the fellowship of His suffering. Amen. And can I tell you this? It doesn't matter how much you speak in tongues or how eloquent you can teach or preach or, or, or how it is that you can sway people with your charismatic abilities. If you do not pray, you do not know Jesus Christ. If you don't pray, you don't know Him. If you don't develop relationship, you do not know Him. You can know about Him. You can know about His character. You can know some things about the nature of God and of Christ through just reading His Word. Can I just stop right here and just take a little sidebar? And let you know that there's some things of God that you can know without the baptism of the Holy Ghost. There's some things about God, about His power and His ability, about His nature, that you can know about Him through nothing more than just intellectual abilities. And if you think that to be an erroneous statement, then I encourage you to read Romans chapter 1. Because Paul talks about people knowing, knowing God and knowing about Him outside of the law and outside of the re receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And he said to those Romans that the Gentiles, because they do not like to retain God in their knowledge. That has to do with your mind, your mental capabilities. And because they didn't like to retain God in their knowledge, then the sinful degradation of man started on a steep, slippery slope until it came to the, to the point of time that Paul said that God gave them over to a reprobate mind or to an unacceptable mind to do those things that are not convenient. It is, is what the King James says. But what Paul is saying in essence that God is doing is that there's a place because, because of the activity of a man's mind that God that will respond and do something, allow something to be done to your mind that the implication is that when you get so far that God says, okay, if you insist on doing it, I'll let you do this and there may be no recovery. I want to know Him. I talk to Him because I've got to know Him. That's, the, that's, the, the, that, that's one of the first and foremost reasons that I pray I've got to know Him. And I don't know Him without communicating with Him.
And my communication with Him is not just getting down and just giving Him my list of, of wants and things that I feel like I need in my life. I pray because I want to know Him. I want to know His thoughts. I want to know His will. I want to know His ways. I want to know His Word. I want to know what God thinks about me. I want to know what He thinks about me my life. I want to know what he thinks about my relationship with him. And I'm going to tell you, if you talk to him and you talk to him enough to know him, amen, he'll let you know. He'll respond in kind. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I'm going to hear that and I will respond. I know the context in which God is telling Solomon this. But in our context today, if you pray to know Him, to communicate with Him, God will respond to you. I said God will respond to you. I got to know Him. I'll never be saved if I don't know Him. That the second person, 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 the second purpose of my praying is that prayer is not only the means of which I became saved, but it's also the means by which I stay saved. I have to pray. I have prayer keeps me renewed spiritually. Prayer keeps me strengthened spiritually. It, it, keeps, it keeps me charged, so to speak. It, it's, what, it's what helps bring life to me. I understand we talk about the Word and we, and, and we place importance on the Word of God and, and rightfully so. But can I tell you this morning, this right here, as important as it is in your life, in no way takes the place of prayer. Amen. And prayer does not take the place of this. Amen. The two work hand in hand. It's the Word of God and the Spirit of God. And they work together. They don't work independently of one another. One cannot take the place of the other. But it is prayer that keeps me spiritually renewed and spiritually strengthened and spiritually charged. So I pray not just to be saved, but I pray to stay saved. You know, this week, this past week's been very frustrating. We were late for church this morning and not this morning, last last Sunday morning. We we got in the car and car wouldn't crank. Trying to figure out what in the world was going on and my wife starts accusing. You've done something to my car. You, you broke my car. Like I, I haven't broken anything. The only thing I did is got in this stupid thing and mashed a button and nothing happens. I didn't break anything. And so we try to figure it out. 
figure it out and I can't figure it out. I look in the manual, I can't figure it out and all this kind of stuff. And finally, it's, it's like you're just going to have to put stuff in the truck because we can't just keep sitting here. So I got home and it still didn't crank. And I pulled the truck around and hooked it up to jumper cables and got in there and it fired right up. Like this, this crazy stuff. I let it run a few minutes and he's, all these lights are on. I backed it out of the carport and turned around and backed in the carport because I thought there's a good chance I'm going to have to jump this thing off in the morning and get it where it needs to go. And, and uh, so might as well make it easy. Went out there early Monday morning and it fired right up. Lights are still on. My wife takes it to the place and they can't see it, but they don't communicate with her and, you know, and all this, you know. Man said, it, it may just it may just be a battery. You know, that, that vehicle's got two batteries in it. And I said, who would have known? I didn't know that goofy thing had two batteries in it. Never seen two batteries in a in a gas powered automobile. You know, uh, my truck's much bigger. It don't have two batteries in it. Why does this thing need? He said it may be just a battery that connects that auto stop start kind of stuff, and it may be, you know, just have to replace that battery and all this kind of stuff. Well, come to find out, it it, it was a it was a dumb battery. That caused all of that stuff. They replaced the battery and and guess what? Everything stays charged up now. The dumb lights are off. Everything works like it's supposed to, and you know, it it excelled. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell I'm gonna tell you this, you know, because it, it was kind of funny, you know, and and was coming was coming to church and and she said I, I said, so your car worked okay, you know, since you picked it up yesterday, yeah? Yeah, except they, they messed up. Every time I take my car there, they mess stuff up. And I said, okay, so what's messed up? The stuff on the dashboard. That stuff that I like to see on the dashboard, it, 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 all of a sudden it, it came back on. I said, I didn't have anything to do with them. I did that a week ago. And you're just now recognizing that, that that's there? I did that a week ago. You know, you got choices of what you want to see on the dashboard. I did that a week ago. She said, oh. Well, they still mess stuff up. I said, what they mess up? What did they mess up? They messed this up right here. You know, the, the temperature on the inside of the car. It, I got in it and it says low. And I'm like, what in the world did they do now? Every time I get in it and bring it here, they mess something up. And, you know, and, and now I'm getting, you know, I, I got to figure out how to fix it. Well, she punched around. You know, there the temperature comes up and she said, I just don't get it. Every time I take it there, you know, and go get it. They mess something up in here. I said, did it ever dawn on you? that they worked on a battery. And when they disconnected the battery, 
all this stuff in here went off. It, it disappeared. You know, it, it left. And so when they hook the batteries back up, it comes back. But there's things that you've got to reset in there. And she says, Oh. <laughs> now I'm going to fast dinner today. For, for this. She says, She says, Oh, I said, yeah. So they, they hadn't messed anything up. It's just when you un, unhook the power source to all of this, it, it, it just, it, 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 you know, you hook it back up and, and you have to reset some things. You have to readjust some things. You've you got to, you know, fix it like you want it again. And, and it'll be that way every time the power source is unhooked things is going to go just a little bit haywire and, and you're going to get back in it. Don't blame the people for doing it. They're just doing well it. <laughs> well, it looks like to me, she said, that if they unhook it and they mess everything up, it looks like when they hook it back up, they set it back like I had it. I, I said it don't work that way. They're just going to fix the problem. It's up to you to readjust things. Now, even though I'm going to get in trouble for this illustration, it's kind of like prayer. Because when you don't pray, you're, un, you're unhooking that which keeps you charged spiritually. When, when you don't have that power source coming in with relationally with, with God and, and, and you know, we fix to have another power failure here. But, but when, when, you, when, you don't, when you don't do what you've got to do to keep that power source of relationship with God charged, when you unhook it because you're not praying, let me tell you, Things start going haywire. Things in your life starts, starts going haywire and, and, and things are not right. And, and, and what you've got to do is when you get connected back to the power source, uh, you've got to readjust some things and, and you've got to reset some things uh, because it is prayer that keeps you charged spiritually. It keeps things working. It keeps the spiritual things working in your life. It's prayer that, keep, that keeps you connected to the voice of God. It's prayer that keeps you sensitive to the moving of the Spirit of God in your life. Amen. When you get down to consult the Word of God, it's prayer, amen, that helps illuminate your mind to the teaching of the Word of the Lord. So if I disconnect the power source of prayer in my life, there's going to be things that just don't work right. Make sense? Just don't work right. So prayer keeps me renewed. Prayer gives you access to the supernatural. I'm going to just tell you prayer is the key to the miraculous. 
Prayer is the key to the miraculous. Mark records it. In Mark chapter 9, beginning with verse number 25. While we're finding that, just let me just say there there is an anointing and a power that comes no other way by fasting and prayer. You read your Bible all you want to read and you don't pray, there's going to be a power and an anointing that is absent in your life. It comes by no other way. While while in, in Mark chapter Nine, while the disciples had a measure of success, they were able, they were unable to penetrate certain things spiritually. Because the implication of the Lord is that there's some things, even in the realm of the Spirit, that you will not have control of because of a lack of prayer. When Jesus saw the multitude came running together, He rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of Him and enter Him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed Him greatly, and came out of Him. And He became as one dead, so that many said, He is dead, but Jesus took Him by the hand. And lifted him up and he arose. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? We tried. We tried to help him. Can you, can you get a picture of the context here? Then the father of the boy came to Jesus and said, Can you help us? Can you help us? I took him to your disciples. And your disciples couldn't do anything. Your disciples could not help us. Now I'm going to tell you something. If, if, there, if there was ever a testimony of condemnation against the disciples of Jesus Christ. It lie in the words of this Father. I took Him to your disciples and your disciples could not. They didn't have the power. They did not have the ability. They did not have what was required to help us. So I'm appealing to you. Is there anything you can do to help us? Jesus simply said, come out. He cried, he convulsed, he came out of him. Some people said he's dead. Jesus lifted him up. He arose. He came into the house and the disciples, I can imagine, is quite embarrassed. They pulled him aside and asked him, Privately. What's wrong with us? What's wrong with us? 
we couldn't do anything. I don't know how many disciples were present at that particular time. I'm assuming they all were present. Because Mark said, said his disciples asked him, What's happening here? You, you, gave, you gave us power over unclean spirits, over all the powers of, of, the, of, of the devil. You, you gave us that power. So what, what happened here? What's our problem? Why couldn't we do this? Jesus said, This kind can come out by nothing but by prayer and fasting. What Jesus is telling them in essence, He said, I'm, I'm giving you a reason to pray. I'm giving you one of the purposes of prayer. Because while there are some things that, that you can do, there are some things even in the realm of the Spirit that you will not be able to touch except it's by prayer and by fasting. Jesus is saying, you've got to pray. You've got to pray. You have got to pray. Isaiah, the old prophet in Isaiah chapter 10 and verse number 27 said it like this. It shall come to pass in that day that this burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing. In prayer, in prayer, you align yourself with the purpose and the power of God. And He is able to do greater things through you than you could do on your own. He has chosen you as an instrument for Him to do these things. Yet, you need God, by, but by His own choice, He has chosen the venue of prayer to be able to anoint you with, with power that will break the yoke from the necks, not only of yourself, but for the neck, from the neck of people. Amen. Because, and the yoke is going to be destroyed because of the anointing anointing and the anointing of God comes to you only through prayer. So communion through prayer develops relationship. Relationship is how trust is established and built. Amen. How trust is established and built. Amen. Prayer develops God's trust in you. And in your trust with God. Amen. Why, and, and so the question could be asked, why don't people pray? I'm going to tell you one reason why people don't pray. Is they don't know God well enough to trust Him. Prayer builds trust. They don't know God well enough to trust Him. That's why some people don't pray. Prayer humbles us and it builds faith at the same time. I've got several points here that, that are worthy of mention, but, but the time would not allow to really 
delve deeply into in, into all of these points, but but prayer humbles me, and it builds faith at the same time. So when I pray, I acknowledge that I need divine help. When I pray, I acknowledge I need divine help. So anytime you humble yourself before God, you open the door for God to show you areas in your life which are not pleasing to Him. Sincere prayer. It is just like looking into the windows of your soul, your mind, and your heart because God will talk to you. When you, when, when you admit that you need divine help, God will help you to understand what needs to be done in your own life. At the same time, faith is growing because you have applied the ever-important principle of faith which says, He who comes to God must believe that He is. Amen. When you believe that He is, then God will reward. Amen. Nothing will promote and provide or provoke you to prayer like answered prayers. So when you come and you come believing and you approach in Him, you, that, that's what the writer to the Hebrews said. He that comes to God has got to believe, number one, that He is. You got to believe that He exists and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. So there's nothing that will promote and provoke you to prayer like being able to look back and see answered prayers. But when I prayed about this, God answered. When I prayed about this need, God answered that. When I prayed about this situation, God moved in, in that situation. When, when I prayed about my kid, I started seeing changes in, in my kid. When I prayed about, about this, I saw the hand of God. I, I began to see changes there. And, and I prayed about this. And, and you, you get the point? Amen. When you come to God, you are believing that He exists and He is a rewarder. And God responds to that. Amen. And He begins begins to move and He begins to work and He begins to help you to understand, hey, there is power in your prayer. Amen. There's validity in your prayer and you need to understand God hears every prayer that you pray and God wants to respond. You just have to have faith in Him. Believe Him. Amen. How many have kids that need the Holy Ghost here today? You want me to tell you how to you want me to tell you how to see see that happen? Don't berate them because of what they're not doing. Why don't you go to prayer? Don't beat them over the head. Because of things that they're not doing that they know better. Why don't you go to prayer? 
It's not even the will of God for you to take the Word of God and condemn them. Jesus Christ Himself does not condemn the sinner. His conversation with Nicodemus, God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Prayer is the mitigating factor for God to be able to step into their situation and begin to deal with their hearts and their minds. But sometimes if we want to have our way, we'll take this right here and we'll use it in a manner that God never intended for it to be used. Amen. This is the sword of the Spirit, not the sword against humanity. And if we're not careful, we'll take this right here and we'll start slicing and cutting and chopping and stabbing and impaling And I'm going to tell you right now, that's never won anybody to the kingdom of God. God didn't intend for you to use this word as a method of condemnation to the hearts and the minds of people when God Himself does not condemn. He'll convict. And that's what you need to start praying for, is for the conviction of God to come. Did you hear me this morning? That's what you need to start praying for. Is the conviction of God to come. Amen. And as long as you take and you beat them over the head, you beat them around the shoulders in the back, and you gotta do this, and you need to do this, and you gotta do the other, and, and you gotta do this, and you got to do all of that. I'm gonna tell you what you're doing. You're driving them further and further away from the kingdom of God because people don't respond to beatings, even with the word of the Lord. And if you'll go to prayer, I hope I didn't. And that's a nice Bible right there. That, that was a gift. That's, that's an expensive Bible. That, that, was, that was a gift. I, I better buy cheap Bibles to do that. But if you'll go to God in prayer and ask God to start working on their heart. Amen. Start working on their minds because it's prayer that breaks the yoke. See, Isaiah said it. Isaiah said it. That that the, the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing. And the anointing only comes through through the venue of, of prayer. It, it comes. So if you if you want the yoke. Destroyed from your children? Go to God in prayer. Ask God. Start working on them. Start talking to their hearts. Start convicting them, God. Start working on them. Amen. Do something in their mind. God, visit them in the nighttime hours. Amen. But I say again, as long as you want to browbeat them across the head and the shoulders, you're just going to keep driving them further and further away from the kingdom of God because you're taking it upon yourself to do things that Jesus Christ refused to do.
the only strong statements that Jesus had for people was for those that should have known better. And we're not doing better. Those are the ones he condemned. He looked at those Pharisees one day and he said, I'm going to tell you something right now. He said, The drunk and the whore is going to enter the kingdom of God before you do. He said, In one's house. I read it just about 2.30 this morning. He sat at one's house and his disciples were there and they were getting ready to eat. And, 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 the, and, and the man asked the Lord, he said, I'm, I'm noticing something here. I'm, I'm getting just a little bit uncomfortable with something that's going on in my house. And, and the Lord says, what, what is it? I noticed that your disciples don't wash their hands before they eat. Jesus said, or oh, somebody has sabotaged my stuff. Jesus said, you're quick to clean up the outside. But the inside is still filthy. And it's dirty. Is contaminated. He said, you, you boys are good at that. He said, buddy, you, you, can, see, you can see something because, because the, mainly what you're looking for and what you're looking at is just the response that men will have to you. You want to look good in front of everybody. You want to give everybody the, the idea you've got it all together. And, and, and you've got your relationship with the Lord all together. You're looking good. You're pretty on the outside. He said, but I'm going to tell you, on the inside of you, you're full of dead men's bones. He said, you need to, what you need to do is you need to clean the inside of the cup. And the outside will take care of itself. I'm going to tell you something. This happens through prayer. It happens through prayer. Because when I don't pray, I start acting like the Pharisees. And I start pointing out the faults and the failures of people. And start looking down my long apostolic Pentecostal nose. Say, well, I'm going to tell you something right now. If them people just read that right there, they'd know. They'd know, bless God. Yeah, I know. Just like you knew everything when you came here. See, prayer helps me when I deal with people where they be sinners or where there be erroneous saints that seem to have lost their way. Prayer. Prayer helps me to keep things charged. And it keeps me connected to the Spirit of God to the degree that when I deal with anybody, the Spirit of God is what I'm listening to.
is what I'm listening for. Because I want them to be saved. There's no gal living for God today. I don't know how, how many years it's been. It's been a long time. She's been in church a long time. She was no Baptist girl. Me and my wife won her to the Lord. It, it didn't take long for her to repent of her sins and God filled her with the Holy Ghost. She was baptized in Jesus' name. Still living for God today because she sat down in the confines of our house and wanted to know about this thing. There's obviously something that I'm, I'm not experiencing. I want to know about this thing. You know, we could have sat down with her and opened this Bible and started slicing and dicing. Stabbing. Cutting. If you don't do this, you don't do that. You don't do the other. You don't do this. You don't do that. You don't do this. You don't do that. I'm telling you, should have never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But what we did do week after week after week was open the Word of God and try to help her to understand. See, can we understand today people in this world just don't know. They just don't know. We're not, we're not in a religious culture. We had not been in a bunch of years. See, it, it used to be years and years and years and years ago. You know, when my daddy was a little boy, and that's been years and years and years and years and years ago. When my daddy was a little boy, pe people had a concept of God. We're living in a time they don't have concept of God. We, we, we lived in, in a period of time that, you know, pe people, you know, even sinners knew a little bit of something about the Word of the Lord. There's people out there now. If you said turn to the book of Acts, they'd have absolutely no idea what you're talking about. I've seen people before in this church. I say, turn to the book of John. Oh, they, they're chicken. They're... Looking around. He said, John. And then, oh. By then, the preacher's finished with reading. And we stand there and we look around like, poor soul don't have a clue. You're right, they don't have a clue. They don't. They, they don't have a clue about God 
and about the things of God. And if I, and if I am not praying and sensitive to the Spirit of God, I can look at that and I'm like, I, just, I don't know about this. Just That old gal come to our house every week. We could have sat there and said, I don't I just, I just don't. I don't know if she's going to ever get it. I just, I just don't know. I don't know about. I don't know if she'll ever get it. But you know what? We kept plowing. Kept plowing. Sometimes without prayer, we act like the first time we say something about repentance, they know what we're talking about, and if they don't repent, then right then, bless God, there's something wrong. They just ain't gonna repent. They no, no, they don't know what repentance is. Can I tell you, they don't need, you say repent, they're like, what's, what's that? I, what, what, what is that? They, they don't know. And without prayer and staying in contact with the Spirit of God and being sensitive to the Holy Ghost, I can get the, I, I don't know they don't know. And so I can become frustrated and I can start slicing and cutting. Prayer keeps me sensitive to the Spirit of God so that when I deal with people, the Holy Ghost can talk to me and help me to understand where they are at a particular time. See, prayer is not just about you getting healed. Prayer is not just about you lining your pockets with dollar bills. Prayer is not just about you getting the best job that you think you can get. Prayer is keeping me closely connected with the voice and the Spirit of God so that when, 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 when that person that, that says, I don't know about this and, and I, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't have any clue about what's this relationship with Jesus Christ. All, I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. And the Spirit of God can help me to understand Here's what I need to say and here's how I needed to say it. In order for something to touch their heart and their minds. And that's the key. Amen. That's the key. I'm not bragging. I studied this. I could open my Bible... And I can preach. I can preach things in the Word of, of God. You wouldn't have a clue about. I can. I can use words about this long, and you go away scratching your head, and you say, "You know what? I have absolutely no idea what that preacher was talking about." So I was talking to a class yesterday about about prophecy. The end of the class, I, I challenge them because we're talking about about how prophecy works and getting into the study of the major prophets of the Old Testament, what what prophecy is and how it works and the qualifications of a prophet from a biblical standpoint and and, and all of this. So at the end of the class, I, I challenge them. We had a, had a new girl there yesterday. Her husband's been. But but she she hasn't so, and so I I I challenged them. I had something in in the lesson that had to do uh, it has to do with hermeneutics, which, which is interpretation. 
you, you exercise hermeneutics every time you read something. What is that? I'm interpreting what the writer is saying. That's hermeneutics. Biblical hermeneutics is interpreting the Bible. And, and there are certain things that govern proper hermeneutics, how things are interpreted in the Word of God. But, but there are some prophecies in the Word of God that, that uh, has not just a future context, but it has an immediate meaning, and it also has a future meaning. That, that law of interpretation is called the law of double mention. In other words, it has an immediate context. And the two don't necessarily have to relate to one another either. So there were prophecies that old prophets gave that had an immediate context for Israel and it had a future context. And so I, I told them, I said, I, I, I want you to research between now and next month. I want you to research the law of double mention. And I, I want you to write me two paragraphs. That's all I'm asking for. Two paragraphs on, on what you found in the law of double mention and give me some examples in Scripture. And so they were wanting me to drop hints. Give us a hint. Give us a hint. I said, that's all I'm saying. I want you to research it. Not giving you any hints. I said, I said I'll give you one hint. I'll give you one hint. Isaiah 9 and 6. Not 7, 8, and 9. Isaiah 9 and 6 by itself. That's the only hint I'm going to give you. So one was like, oh, oh, yes. Oh, I know, I know, I know that one. Call me over. Call me over in their study Bible. It talks about Christ coming as Emmanuel. It, is, that, is that it right there? Is that it? I said, that's the far context. That's not the immediate context. I said, I will tell you this, the immediate context of Isaiah 9 and 6 has nothing to do with Jesus Christ. So I want to know, what, what is it? Help us help. I said, that's it. It's all you get. It's all you get. So after it was all said and done, I packed, had packed up my stuff. And walking out, well, this, this young lady and another lady were standing there talking, so I just stopped. And I, I told her, I said, hey, I'm, 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 glad you, I'm glad you signed up with us. I said, what, what do you think? It's your first, first time. I said, what do you think? And she said, oh, oh, I like it. I like it. She said, I enjoyed it. I really did. She said, but i got to be honest with you. I don't have one clue what you were talking about. And I said, about what? She said that, uh, that law of double mention thing. I don't have any idea what you were talking about. She said, I've never heard that in my life. Nobody's ever told me anything about that. She said, I don't, I don't have any idea what you're talking about. And I said, okay. I said, that's, that's fair. I said, just do what I ask and just research it. I said, because when you research it, I think you will find out it's not as complicated as what it seems to be on the surface. And, and the other lady spoke up and she said, that's right, even though I don't have a clue about it either. What he was saying, 
She said, but I, I do know this. You know, when he's, when he's taught us before, you know, he'll, he'll give us stuff that seems complicated on the surface, but then when you start researching, start studying, it's, it's not as complicated as what it sounds like. See, my point in using that illustration is this. When I pray and I'm sensitive to the Spirit of God and I'm dealing with people in this world that don't know Him and don't know anything about them, Him, it helps me to be able to relate to them in a manner that He would relate to them. You understand what I'm talking about? You understand? See, Jesus didn't, didn't condemn the harlot. He didn't condemn the alcoholic for what they did not know. See, Jesus sat in another man's house one day, and there was this woman that came up behind him. And, and she, had a, she had a little box. It was made out of alabaster. And she had precious ointment in that box. And she came up behind him. And she broke that box. And she poured all of that ointment on his feet. And she began to weep. And, and her tears wet the feet of Jesus. And she took her hair and she dried his feet. See, history says Jesus had already delivered her from seven demons. But there's somebody standing there and said, Huh. She should have known better than this. How so? How so? What should she have known better? She should have known better than to take all of that precious ointment, pour it on his feet the way that she did. Don't you know we could have sold this stuff Gave it all to the poor. Judas is the one who said that. Because the Bible said he's the one that held the money bag for the disciples. That's right. But he said it not because he had concern for the poor. Jesus said, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something right now. She may not know everything. But I do. And here's what I know. The poor you're going to have with you always. But me, you're not going to have always. And what I know that you don't know, and she has done this, and she has anointed me for my burial. Prayer is what's going to keep you connected to the Spirit of God and sensitive to the Spirit of God so that we can deal with the Mary Magdalene's out there. And with all of those sinners out there, they just simply do not have one clue 
about what you would be talking about when you start relating to them and beating them over the head with the Word of God. That's not going to work. It's never worked. Can I tell you something? It didn't work with me. It didn't work with me as a teenager. You start beating me on the head, I'm going to start beating back. You, you, you start browbeating me about you need to repent. You need to live for God. You need to do this. You need to do that. And you know what I've said before? You know, you need to pray. You need to give for God. You need to repent. You need to get the Holy Ghost. You know what I've said before? And you need to mind your own business. Was I wrong? Yes, I was wrong. I didn't have the Holy Ghost. But I, what I'm saying is, see, that, that didn't work with me. But I tell you what did work. And it worked very effectively. I had this little bitty woman in my life stood about this tall. I used to grab her and pick her up, spin her around, make her dizzy, and then put her on the ground and watch her staggering around and laughing and said, oh, you're going you're gonna to have to stop that. You're going to make me fall out in this yard in front of everybody. Tell you what did work, that little woman went to prayer for me every day of my life. I've heard her call my name in prayer. God, your hand's on that boy. But I'm asking you to get a hold of his heart. I'm asking you to speak to him, speak to his heart. I'm going to tell you what, that's the reason I'm standing where I'm standing right now. It's because there was a little woman that she didn't, she didn't beat me up. She didn't dog cuss me because of things that I didn't know. She helped to educate me in ways that my little simple child brain could understand. I'll never forget. A man that puts his hand to the plow and looks back it's not fit for the kingdom. She taught me that in a real life way. I'll never forget it. And it's the reason I stand where I stand today. And that happened because she stayed connected to God through the venue of prayer. So I ask you a question this morning. How many of you want to be effective in God's kingdom? You've got to pray. You, you've got to pray. You have got to to pray and prayer is more than just getting down for two or three minutes you know appealing to God and giving your petitions to the Lord and get up and go about your merry way we've got to develop relationship relationship you've got to know him and without prayer you do not know him and without prayer you do not have relationship with Jesus Christ. You've got to pray. The day and the hour in which we live right now, you, you can't afford to not pray. Listen, I say this in closing this morning. I had somebody just early last week sent me a video and asked me to watch it. And I, I watched the video. And it's a pastor of a large church. He's not, he's not UPC, but they do believe in the Holy Ghost and prayer and all this kind of stuff. 
But they had a service and, and they had a man who was there who was an Israeli citizen. And, and this man was a part of the IDF. He was a part of the Israeli Defense Force. And he, he knows about America. He, in, in his job, he, he has in-depth knowledge about things that are happening in, in the world, all across the world, all across the globe, and things that are happening in America. And, and he starts talking to that big body of people. And he starts relating to them. Here, here's things that are happening in Israel. He says, you, you don't see it. You don't know about it. Because your news media is not covering it. But here are some things that are happening in Israel. People are rioting. People are moving further and further towards uh, secular humanism in, in their beliefs. Our, our Supreme Court. He said, see, we don't have a constitution like, like you do that governs, that is supposed to govern our nation. But our laws are, are what is called common law. He said, so our, our laws can be just changed by, by a court that, the law, that those laws don't make sense. And they can change the law. And he said, that's happening right now. And it's affecting, it's affecting our nation. He said, the things that are happening in your nation right now, all of the chaos in the streets, all of this stuff with people just going in and robbing stores and, and hauling stuff out. And, and if anybody interferes with them in the store, they lose their jobs and, and the police are not doing, doing, doing anything. He said, people, I'm telling you, this is by design. It's not by accident. These things are happening by design. And he said, and if you don't pray, and if you don't become people of prayer, he said, I'm going to tell you, you're going to end up lost because you don't understand what's happening. These things are not happening by accident. They happen by design. They, there must be chaos in the streets of America. There must be. There has to be chaos in the streets of America, he said, because here's the thing. Here's the thing. A chaotic and a divided people can be a conquered people. Amen. And he said, and here's the thing. He said, I'm an outsider. But I'm looking in. He said, but here's the thing that I see. America is going down. Amen. He said, it's going down. He said, I can see the handwriting on the wall because it's happened in different places. He said, but Americans don't see it. They don't see handwriting on the wall. They're dull to it. They're oblivious to it. He said, but, but it's going down. He said, from, from an end time standpoint, he said, and here's what I believe. And, I, and, and when I heard this, I thought, dear, dear God, it, is it, did you speak to me years ago concerning this? And I just hadn't said anything about it. 
But here's what he said that really, really struck.